welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today and we hope you enjoy the message. Thanks, Jimmy. Good afternoon. Can you see me? Can you hear me? You're all very quiet. I'm going to get Mike to stay there. Steph's standing up. So, Steph, you've been leading through that time. So you can take a break. And Mike's my son, so I can tell him what to do. No, I'm just kidding. He's not. I can't tell him what to do anymore. He's a grown man now. But he's just going to keep playing for a couple of minutes. Thanks. Who's got some pressure in their life right now? Who's feeling some stuff? Yeah. Life has seasons where there's pressure and tension and song I felt the Lord say just before we go into the word before we go into anything let's just give him some space to wash his presence over us do you know the Holy Spirit can do in an instant what can take a lifetime without him I'm all for you know changing the way we think and learning new behaviors and doing all those things but also know that Holy Spirit brings new life and I just want to pray for him. Pray, pray now that the Holy Spirit will bring new life to our souls. He will bring refreshment. The Lord will bring refreshment to our souls. There's a story in the Old Testament about David before he's a king. And, uh, and he's been doing the Lord's work, faithfully serving God. And things have been going against him. Even though he was serving God, and trying to do the right thing. He had, he, he had his king, King Saul, was attacking him. And... And he was faithfully trying to serve. And it seemed like no matter what he did, it all turned to custard. And life just really sucked, <laughs> to put it bluntly. No matter what he did, it seemed bad. It seemed challenging. And there's this story where he is actually uh, kind of working as a double agent for the Philistines. And he says, I'm going to go out to battle with the Philistines. And he's... he's uh, intention it would appear was to you know fight for God's people but he was turned away and he wasn't allowed to go and fight with the Philistines and he was sent back home with and all his flocks and everything else he got back there and found that the Amalekites which were another people had just come through and raided the land and taken everyone captive and taken all the flocks and herds and women and children and everything it says that David and his men were despairing. In fact, it was such a dark time that even David's men were talking of stoning David. Sometimes the leader feels like they're going to get stoned. Have you ever felt like, as a parent, you feel like your kids just want to stone you? They just want to take you out? You feel like you're a failure? Parent, kids, not a good idea to do that to your parents. Don't do that to your parents. Sometimes, no matter what we do, it feels like everyone's against us. And David's own men were against him. And I love this simple little phrase. Simple phrase, to strengthen himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And we don't get a clear picture of what that was or how he did that. We can kind of get some ideas from some of the Psalms that he wrote. And if we go on some of the Psalms he wrote, he poured out his heart to God. He lamented about how dark it was. He, he said, God, I feel like you have forsaken me. I feel like, where are you, God? You, David wrote multiple psalms of that nature. And I'm all for singing joy songs. I love it, Joe. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we, we need to allow space 
before we can get to the joy to cry out the lament, to give space to call out to God and say, God, this is hard right now. And as we do that, I believe that opens up space for God to come and show us the way forward. That opens up space for God to come and bring hope to our souls. And so I just want, if you're happy to stand for a moment, why don't you just stand for another minute? I would love to just pray with you. Because if I'm honest, maybe if you're honest with yourself, you know you want to get to that point where the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know you want to get to that point where you can declare His goodness in your heart, in your head. Kind of, your heart says, I want to declare His goodness, but, but there's a battle in the mind because it doesn't feel like it's good right now. And I want you to know, friends, that's okay. All the great men and women of the Scriptures... All the great men and women who forged the way of a thousand years of church history before us have all had times when it seemed dark. They've also always had times when it seems like God wasn't there or God wasn't moving or God wasn't working. We sung about in that song that he wants to go deep, deep, deep in our souls. Sometimes the deep work in our souls comes through pain comes through hardship, it comes through uncertainty. And so I wonder if you could just close your eyes. Regardless of where you are on the spectrum of feeling like, I don't know where God is, or uh, you, you might be feeling like it's just all hard. Maybe you've even thought of giving up. Maybe you thought, this isn't working. Maybe you thought, this Christian thing, I don't know if I've got what it takes. Regardless of what you're feeling right now, I want you just to surrender that to God. I want to encourage you to surrender it to God. And do what David did and pour it out to God. You might like to, just as I pray these words, you, these words might, you might like to make these words your words or something similar. You don't have to pray them out loud, but I'm just going to pray a prayer of lament. I'm going to pray a prayer of calling to us and bring refreshment and healing and hope. So Lord God, we're facing difficult times. Our world, every day, we hear of the challenges of the economy, the challenges in our political realm, the challenges in church life, the challenges in family lives, challenges in our relationships, the challenges in our employment. It seems like we're hard-pressed on every side. Seems like even those that are close to us let us down. And Lord, we don't know where to turn other than you. Lord, some of us even feel like you've let us down. And I'm grateful that you give us space to voice that. And so Lord, as we come before you right now laying our cares down at your feet rolling our burdens onto you maybe just you might even just see yourself figuratively lifting those weights lifting those loads off yourself the reason that we can sing about the weight being lifted for some of you it's just like figuratively raising your hand up and letting him lift you 
we ask, Lord, that you would lift us from the ashes. You don't leave us there. Reach down, Lord. Lift us up. Be a source of comfort. As the words of that old hymn, that on Christ the solid rock I stand. Lord, we look to you. Would you bring healing to hurting hearts? Would you bring peace to troubled waters? Would you be a... I've had this word in my head lately, this phrase in my head lately, and I just feel to share it with you now. It's simple. The Lord's been telling me, Rowan, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. What is working in you, friend, as difficult, as uncertain, as unclear as it might be, it will pass and you will be the better for it. You'll know more of his love. Your roots will go down deeper into his love. Life is not without challenges, but you'll be rooted down deep in his love. This too shall pass. Lord, I pray you minister to every person right now. In this room, those that are feeling like this in our youth ministry and in our kids' ministry, those of you online who are feeling this, too shall pass thank you Lord sometimes we have to lay hold of faith we have to step forward and get out of the boat and stretch out our hands I don't want to go on with the word until I feel the Holy Spirit has just finished what the Lord needs to do here sometimes faith is active sometimes faith is passive we get active trying to fix it ourselves. The Lord would say, hey, just let me. Maybe that's you. You just need to surrender. You don't your value. Be anything. Say anything. Your value is in not what you do for him. Your value is not in what you do for others. They're all good things, but they're not what make you valuable. Your value is in who you are, a child of God. Lord, I pray as we surrender to you, you would just fill us, wash over us with your love. Pour out your love in this place, Lord. this place. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, you can take a seat. You okay to keep going? Might put everyone to sleep, but I know you want to go and sit with your wife, but no, you can stay there. Thanks, Mike. It's good. It's great.
I don't know how I'm going to transition into my notes. <laughs> I really felt the Lord was saying I wanted to do that. Well, I wanted to take some time in the next few minutes and, and kind of wrap it all up. It's probably, it probably does transition quite well, the theme I'm talking about today, what I felt the Lord has laid on my heart. Can we have the house lights up? Is it possible to get a little bit more light out there? Is that doable, Chris? Or whoever does. Just so I can... There we go. Now I can see some faces. Thanks. That's fine. And uh, I wanted to do it today to take a bit of time to just kind of give a bit of an update on a few things in the church and, and uh, talk about the, uh, the state of the Christian church and some of the challenges that the church, wider church, and we as part of the wider church are facing in this season that we find ourselves to be post-pandemic season and all that has to do with it. Because you might be thinking, you know, how does this all apply? What's happening in church life as a result of the pandemic? And and so I wanted to sort of talk about that, give you an update on on how we're tracking as our own church, but do it from a perspective of um, a position of, of, uh, of faith. You see, friends, I'm incredibly hopeful about the church. I'm incredibly hopeful about this church. I'm incredibly hopeful about the church. There's a lot of rhetoric going around saying, oh, the church is in trouble. I don't believe that for a moment because I know that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I believe that with all my heart. That doesn't mean the church won't go through, go through trials. That doesn't mean the church won't face challenges. I believe that we will. But I also believe the church will prevail even in the face of the gates of hell. And it all comes down to what do we call the church? And some of the things that we call church life, maybe they're not necessarily, they're just, just, just a way of doing church, but not the church in and of itself. And what we need to be doing is looking at what is the church? What are the things that make up the church? And so there's lots that we need to be focusing on that in the days ahead as we reflect on what God is going to try to do in and through us. But I'm so hopeful. I honestly believe with all my heart that the best days of Jesus' church are before Him, are before us, that, uh, that we will see God move, see freedom come to people's lives. Doesn't mean it won't be challenging. Doesn't mean it won't be dark at times. But he's still on the throne. He hasn't ever surrendered the throne. He still has his way and he still uses his people to do it. And so I wanted to bring that message of hope today. I wanted to be able to go, let's look at where we're at. Let's look at what God can do. And then let's get excited about doing what we can do with God to bring his kingdom to earth. So I wanted to read a passage of Scripture in a moment, a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture. We're going to read it in one city, how we can get excited about what God is going to do. And I'm going to read a passage from a book in the Old Testament called the book of Nehemiah. And I'll give you a bit of background to this story so that when we read it, it will, will make a bit of sense. The story of Nehemiah takes place at a time, about 500 BC, it takes place at a time when God's people had... Had lost their way. The church, if you like, had lost its way. And because of their refusal to live by God's way and honor Him and care for the poor, they had denied God and said, I'm going to live my way. Because of that, they had, by, by their own doing, had found themselves exiled from their homeland. They've been cast out. They've been kicked out of their church building, if you like. They've been kicked out of Jerusalem. They found themselves out in exile and they spent about 70 years in exile. 
And there was a, an entire generation of people that grew up learning about the past and the good old days and longing for the good old days. And when would God come through? And Jeremiah, the prophet, had sent them a promise that after 70 years, God would bring them back to their promised land. And so this time came and there was a king who came to the throne of Persia. His name was Cyrus. And he issued a decree that any Jew that wanted to go back to their homeland, back to Israel, back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, that they were free to do it. And what's more, they were gonna be empowered and and uh, sponsored by the king. They were going to be given money by the king to be able to go back and rebuild this city. And so there was great joy. There was great hope as they were returning. And as they made this long journey back, probably 1,800 kilometre journey on foot, several months with their families and their cattle and everything back to the land, they, got, they went back with great joy. And when they got back there, sadly, they found that these, their hopes for what they thought they would find weren't going to be realised. There were other people living in the land who'd been living there for 70 years. They weren't real happy about a group of people moving in on their turf after 70 years. You can understand that, can't you? I mean, if you've been living in your house for 70 years and someone shows up and says, hey, it's my house, you can see there's going to be a little bit of to and fro, a little bit of argy-bargy happening. They weren't real happy about the fact that the Jews were coming back and going to restore this city. And when they got back, they found that the city and the walls had been completely broken down. They found that their hopes, their dreams, their desires, things they thought God were going to do, it didn't seem like God had done those things. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever had hopes and dreams for your life, for your family, for your ministry, for the church? How about you? I've had plenty of times where I felt like that. When I've gotten back there and I've found that the walls are actually in ruins. I thought I was going to come back to a shining city. I was going to be able to march in, take up residence, and the, even the walls of the city were in ruins. That's what happened to these people. And they had to go on a journey of rebuilding. And I've titled this message in the next few minutes, I've titled this message today, Let's All Rebuild Together. Let's All Rebuild Together. Sometimes it's important to take stock that in life, in our church, in all kinds of things that happen, there'll be times when the walls won't be where we'd like them to be. It'll be times when the walls will be broken down. And it's not a lack of faith to acknowledge that. We've got to face the facts sometimes and then trust that our God will, will work with us and through us to rebuild those walls. We're up there and just move on. Friends, I don't see that in the Bible. I'm so glad that the Bible shows us all the frailties of humanity. Like I said before about David, it shows us David pouring out his heart and his pain and his anguish and his uncertainty and his questions to God. I love the fact that that's the God I serve, that he will, he will let me do that. And so in the next few minutes, we're going to read this story. And maybe as we are, I want you to be thinking about what walls in your life are in ruins right now. Maybe they're half fallen down. Maybe they're broken down. What walls in your life are not where they should be? What walls in our church are not where they should be? This applies at a church level and a personal level and family level and everywhere, these principles. So be thinking about the walls of your life. And there's three points that we're going to take out of this message today. And as we read this, you'll see this. The first one, three keys, if you like, to rebuilding. The first one is prayer. Prayer. You will notice, amen, Mary, you will notice if you're listening carefully to this story I'm about to read, how many times this man, Nehemiah, prays. Prayer is a big part long before he starts rebuilding anything, he prays. He prays and he prays and he prays. Sometimes it's a long prayer. Sometimes it's a quick prayer under his breath before he talks to the king. 
but he prays. Prayer is important. The second thing is strategy and planning. Seeking God for wisdom as to what way to go. Do I go this way, Lord, or do I go this way, Lord? Do I, how do I respond to this family crisis? Do I take this or this? Because sometimes you go to the left and it works, and then you try the left the next day and it doesn't work. Because the journey of faith is, is not a science, it's an art. It's not an exact science. That's why the Bible says if you lack wisdom, ask God. Sometimes we need to pray, we need to get a strategy, get together and have a strategy, seek the will of God and then do something. So first one is prayer. The second thing is strategy. And then the third thing, which is not even what we're going to read, it's in chapter three, is that everyone rebuilds together. Everyone rebuilds together. There's a place for you to help rebuild one another's lives. This church, we can rebuild each other's lives. Together we can walls of the church in our movement. Our movement can be part of building the walls of the church in this nation. All of us together doing what we can do is how we build. And so I want to read you this story from Nehemiah. And I think Phil's got it up on screen. We're just going to read it right through. About one and a half chapters. It'll only take five minutes or so. But I think it'll make sense as we go. Verse 1. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned from there from captivity and about how things were going. So Nehemiah was a Jew as well, but he hadn't gone back. He was working for the king. And these brothers said to me, things aren't going well for those who returned to the prophet. Gates have been destroyed by fire. And when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for many days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, great and awesome God, who kept His covenant of unfailing love with those who love Him and obey His commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we've sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly. Please remember what you told your servant Moses, that if you're unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and you live by them, then even if you're exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to this place that I have chosen for my name to be on it. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honouring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favourable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Chapter 2. Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine, and I'd never appeared before him sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why do you look so sad? Why don't you, you don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? And after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River. 
instructing them to let me travel through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I'll need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because God's gracious hand of God, the gracious hand of God was on me. Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah the Ammonite, official heard of my arrival. They were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. So I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I'd not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. And after dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned out gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city's officials did not know that I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plan. Administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. And so they began the work. You might think, wow, that's a pretty dark story. And I'm getting increasingly more comfortable with the fact that there are dark times in life. I'm getting more increasingly comfortable with the fact that we don't have to be up all the time. Sometimes the walls are broken down. But that does not for a moment mean God is not working. God was working in Nehemiah's situation. He's working in your situation right now. He's with you. He's for you. He's on your side. And I believe that if we trust God with that, if we take an honest assessment of the state of the walls, and don't try and fake it, just say, this is what's happening in my world, Lord. I'm going to pour it out to you and I'm going to trust that you're going to help me with a strategy and a wisdom. And together with my friends and my relatives and my neighbours and in my church and those who care about me, we're going to start to rebuild and see what you'll do. And so I want to talk to you about the state of the walls. I want to talk about our church, state of the church's walls, if you like, in this next few minutes, um, just to give some perspective. And so I would say, please don't think that Every wall of our church or the church is completely broken down. It's not. There are some wonderful things happening in and through our church community, in and through the church in this nation. But I just thought, let's just take an honest assessment of the walls. Let's look at some things um, and where we can, we can be um, confronted with maybe where the walls aren't as strong as they should be. And then we can pray and begin to seek God for what He can do about it. So let me talk a little bit about the post-pandemic church. Our, our church, the, those of us that consider C3 Camden our home, people who would say, yes, this is my church, even if they don't necessarily always attend a church service or whatever, or a gathering or whatever, people who would say, people. And uh, it's such a privilege for Jill and I, and I know Pastor Ed feels the same way, just to be able to love you and do this journey of life with you. And uh, that's actually quite a a strong numerical position to be in post-COVID compared to where we were pre-COVID. Across the board, uh, the evidence is almost without exception that uh, church membership has declined through COVID season. It hasn't picked back up yet. 
And this has been an even uh, a great, a large, as it tended to be a larger effect on larger churches. And there's all kinds of reasons why that might be the case. But I, I know of larger churches that have had to shrink down their attendance or shrink down the number of services that they're running on a weekend or whatever quite, quite uh, significantly. And so smaller churches oftentimes have tended to fare better in terms of membership. Although many smaller churches have taken their buildings. I know of a, a church uh, that has felt this is the time. This is in our movement, a church that's felt this is the time to, to uh, close, close down their church and, uh, and look for another time maybe in the future to be able to take their resources and sow that into another church plant. So there are, there are challenges for the church. And I wanted you to know that because I... I don't want to just hide those facts. But here's the one that's probably the single biggest challenge, and I'm yet to meet a pastor that I've talked to where this isn't the problem. The number, number one is it's the frequency of attendance in church services that has changed dramatically. So even though membership has not necessarily plummeted, what has happened in church life across the board, almost exclusively across the board, is, your, is, is the frequency of our members attending a service. And you think, well, what's the big deal there? But let me just stick with me for a minute and I'll show you why the walls are falling down in some areas. Pre-pandemic, pretty much across Australian churches, a good statistic, a healthy statistic, whether it was good or not, I don't know, but a, a normal statistic, a common statistic was that um, for a church that had a fairly good membership database that is that the people they didn't just have people on their membership database who weren't there but most of the people who they had on their membership base were people who they were having some contact with and would attend church regularly of those people uh, six, if you had 60% of your attendees in church on a Sunday that was that was pretty much the standard agreed number if you were getting 70 plus you were in very strong territory but 60% was kind of like a benchmark figure so if you had a church of 100 people and you were running 60 people attending on a Sunday that was about benchmarked put it simple, right? Post-pandemic, what we are finding is that church attendance is now running at 35 to 40% of attendance on a Sunday. So what, Pastor Rowan? What does that matter? How many people are in the room? doesn't really matter. Well, it doesn't matter in the sense that we've got online and people can watch online and so on. But we're still, friends, running a church service. We're still running a kids ministry. We're still running a cafe. We're still running a band. We're still running a youth ministry and so on. And because of the fact that we've that, what that means is we are having, uh, we're doing the same. And we've added, nearly every church I know has added online, which is another component as well. Like Marnie's sitting out the back talking about online friends at the moment as well. So we've added things on with less people to do them. It doesn't take very long to figure out that that's going to take a toll. Are you with me? That there's going to be, sorry? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I'm not, this isn't to put a heavy on us. This is just to give you an honest assessment of the walls. And there's all kinds of things as church leaders, I'm hopeful about this. There's some things we may need to do. I actually think that God is working through this to um, change the way we do church. What do I mean by that? Well, I always say the, the, the enemy of the next move of God is usually the people who have uh, memorialised the last move of God. Oh, this is the way church works. I was there in the days when God did certain thing. I was there in the days when God was moving through this type of ministry and this type of church. And that was great. But I love the way Pastor Phil Pringle says, the, the Spirit is like a river, always flowing. And we humans have a tendency to, to get in the river, experience God, and then jump out beside the river and camp out there. Meanwhile, God's moved on. I suspect that what you will see in church life and what looks like churches will be quite different in three or five years' time than what it is today. And I'm not worried about that. 
not worried about that at all. Because God has to make us uncomfortable to get us to move sometimes. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it, but I am concerned that if we don't recognise that's what God's doing, we're not going to be ready to move with Him or we're not going to recognise what He's doing and we're going to burn out in the process. Here at C3 Camden, we are deeply, deeply, deeply committed to making sure we don't burn out in the process. I want to continue to be a, us to be a church where there is life, where there is joy, where together we can build the walls. And if there are some walls that we were building and we don't need to build those walls anymore, we'll stop building those walls because maybe we might find those walls aren't part of the city after all. God, maybe they were once part of the city. I've seen a lot of ancient ruins where there were walls that once were part of the city and then through change, they go, no, we don't need that part. We'll move over here a bit. We might need to stop building some walls and start building some others and that's totally okay. I'm hopeful. I'm really, really hopeful despite the challenges. And so it's a challenging season. There are uh, more pastors resigning in ministry than ever before. Certainly in the last 15 or 20 years, there is, they call it the great resignation. And this isn't just affecting pastors. I mean, those of you who are health professionals and school teachers and those that have endured the pandemic and those sorts of responses, Meg's up the back nodding, you know, the great resignation, yeah? And it's making it harder because those of you who aren't resigning are feeling the pressure of having to fill the gaps of those who have resigned. So, you know, if you're working in the medical world, you nursing industry, you'll know what I'm talking about. These are, it's the same issue. And that's not to say that, you know, people shouldn't resign. What I'm saying is we need to be aware that there are some walls that, with hope. One of the walls that's pretty stable in our church, we're very fortunate here, we have a good, strong financial wall. I think we, ideally, if I'm honest, we could probably, you know, I could always find vision to spend a lot more money than we have. But if we had five or $600 a week extra coming in, I think that we we're in an area and we're called as a church to reach families and reach young people and reach young adults. And so we'd love to be able to staff for that. If we had another five or $600 a week, we could do that. So that's something that, you know, to pray into and believe God for. But by and large, we are, compared to a lot of churches, we're, we're stable here at C3 Camden. We're stable financially. In our church at C3 Picton, that's not the case. Through, because of COVID, we had some families that were good contributors that moved away from the area. We had some people who were good financial contributors that retired and no longer have an income. And that's not been the case at uh, C3 Picton. And so we've had to make some cuts there to our church staff. For instance, Pastor Ravana was on staff and, and she has come off paid staff. And, and uh, I wanted to let you know today, I'm going to be talking to C3 Picton for both of our Camden and Picton locations. We've been talking about this for some time. We, um, we've just recently signed a new or a 12-month extension on our lease for the building that we have at Picton, which we've had since the earliest days before uh, when it was first planted, before Jill and I were involved in it. It was first planted and it's had, a, it's, had its own building out there in an industrial area for 15 years now. And uh, we've had to make a decision that in 10 months' time when that lease, when that, that, that lease extension runs out, that we'll have to move out of that building. We won't be able to maintain that building. And that's not to say God can't do something. He may bankroll it somehow. But we're not going to go to the church and say we might have to move out. We have to go to the church now and say we need to plan to move out. We need to plan for what that might look like. It's no good getting to March next year and having two months to dismantle all our building and try to find somewhere else. So we're going to be planning to move out. Why have we had to do that? Because we're taking an honest assessment of the walls. And I'd much rather do that now than do that in March next year. Also wanted to let you know that 
that is a decision we've had to make. And as a, as a church community, there's a story. Let me, before I mention this, there's a story that comes up in chapter 3. When, when all the people have said we're going to build the walls, if you, if you go home and you read chapter 3, it's a big, long, boring list. It's helpful to read it with a map in front of you of Jerusalem. But it basically just says this. The Schick family built alongside the Brennan family, alongside the Bell family. Sorry? Neighbours. Yeah, there's neighbours. Built, built alongside the Rowe family. Built, you know, that's what it was like. It was just one family built alongside another family, built alongside another family. And little by little, together, they all built the walls. And together, they all played a part in building the walls. And that's what I'm calling us to. You'll hear more about what walls need rebuilding. But I would love us to start to say, God, where can I build? With what can I build? How can I use my time and my talent and my treasure to stand alongside all the other families and build the wall? Simple ways like volunteering. Just saying, putting your hand up and saying, how how can I help with the day-to-day life of this church? To help build the walls of this church. Little by little. And so C3 Camden, what we have done as a leadership team, and I wanted to let you know this, is that uh, we are helping C3 Picton for this next period of time. So we are helping to, that's why we've said, let's give ourselves 12 months. But we are subsidising, so you, your tithes, your giving, your vision builders is subsidising our family next door. We wanted to tell you that. We didn't want to hide that from you. But I think, we're talking about this at the board, and I said, I think our people understand this principle. I think, I think our people go, hey, the church is bigger than my church and my community. The church is bigger, it's, the, it's bigger than C3 Picton. It's the church in our community. It's the church in our nation. So I wanted to let you know that's what we're doing. We're not going to do it indefinitely. And if things don't change, that's it. We draw the line in the sand. But we felt that was something we could do to now enable space to see tithes and offerings. You know, you trust us as a leadership team. And we wanted to be open and transparent about that and say, thank you. God sees that. You know, and that even may affect the, in the short term, because we've been setting aside seed fund for our own building here. And we believe there's going to be a time when we can get a demountable building, whether it's a, a church building that we have as church service in, or whether we keep this here and run some community stuff. That may even affect that in the short term. But that's okay because we're building God's kingdom together. What's the point in having this part of the wall strong and this part of the wall weak? I'm happy to field any questions about that. I'm not going to, you know, I won't go into all the, I don't even have all the stats in front of me and all that kind of stuff. But I just wanted to let you know that that's, that's where we're going so that we can support another part of the uh, wall to be built for a season. And who knows? Paul says this, there'll come a time when uh, they might be able to support us in some areas. Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it's all kinds of areas. But when one part um, supports another, there'll come a time when another part will support another. That's what Paul was talking about when he was taking up offerings for the church in Jerusalem. He was going to his Greek churches and he was saying, you know, you've, you've reaped spiritual benefit for them. Now you provide some material benefit to them. And that principle applies across the line, across the, the thing. So as we, as we get ready to close, maybe if we could just stand and I'll get the band to, to come back on stage because we're running out of time. We wanted to just create some space for this. There's lots of good things happening. Jesus is the answer to every question. You can speak the name like we've been singing. Speak the name of Jesus into your world, into your life, into our church. That's what this song says. Jesus is in my family. Jesus is in my church. 
whatever walls are broken down, begin to speak the name of Jesus. Everything he represents, everything he is, speak the name of Jesus over those things. Why? Because his name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. And as we sing, and as we get ready to close, if you would just feel like you just like someone to pray with you, in fact, just someone to just stand with you. Sometimes we just need someone to stand your way out of your seat as we sing this song, and I just love to just do that with you, just to stand beside you and say, "He's got this. This will pass. We're going to build the wall together. There's a place for you." inside the walls of this city. God's got a plan for your life. Amen. We're going to sing this song. Come forward if you would just like me to just agree with you in prayer. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or visit our website at www.c3camden.church. You're old.